As you're taking a seat, I would love to introduce you to a man that, for some of you, might not need any introduction, but he's a good friend of mine, good friend of Church of the Open Door, the president of Open Door School. Please welcome Denver Daniel. Good morning, everyone. I pray that you are doing well on this gorgeous week, and we continue to be just blessed with unbelievable fall weather. And so uh, with that, I wanna just also say what I am blessed by, and that is the privilege of being here with each of you today. Just love Pastor Jim, the staff of, uh, of Church of the Open Door, and love the partnership that Church of the Open Door and Open Door Christian Schools has with one another. I mean, for those of you that are not aware, 46 years ago, Church of the Open Door, uh, the leadership, uh, the Lord laid it on their heart to start a school. Uh, and some 46 years later, we come to you today to celebrate a few things and to just share a little bit of our heart before we jump into the message about what the Lord is doing at his school. And so let me first of all uh, just share that we are celebrating record enrollment this year at Open Door Christian School. Record enrollment for the over 46 years of its history. Uh, the Lord has blessed us to be ministering to over 700 students. And while we praise the Lord for the number, what we really praise the Lord for is each one of those students represents two things. It represents a student that we get to minister the truth of God's word to through ed education. And it represents a family, a Christian family in this region that we get to partner with. So I just want to say thank the Lord for what he is doing in his school. also want to just share a little bit about who we are as far as what makes us distinct or what makes us different than other educational opportunities that is a Christian family as you're laying uh, 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 before the Lord how to educate your child. Uh, why should or what makes Open Door Christian schools distinct and different? And I'll just share, it really is summed up in a prayer that I pray for the school every day. And I, I pray every day that number one, the Lord would receive glory at his school by us providing an education that's comprehensive, relevant, rigorous, and here is the distinct part, and cemented in a biblical view. We believe that the truth of God's word uh, has something to say about every content. We believe that every content has something to say about God. And so we take that very seriously. And then the other distinction that we make as I, I continue that prayer that I lay before the Lord every day, all within an environment where each student is known appreciated, and we pray will one day be following Christ as their Savior. And so if you are interested in that type of education, I, good news, because today also marks uh, the beginning of a partnership with uh, Church of the Open Door in that we are, uh, they are part of our Kingdom Connections Partner Program uh, that we have where uh, 
any member of the church that is interested in having their son or daughter attend uh, church, they are now eligible for a tuition grant uh, that will dramatically reduce the tuition uh, to uh, come to school. And that's just one of the ways that we are praying uh, to make the school more attainable to Christian families that are passionate about pursuing uh, education in a Christian environment. So if you are interested, I will just ask you to uh, stop by, meet myself, uh, uh, Kevin Ford, who is our Director of Admissions, and uh, just take the next steps in learning more about what makes Christian education distinct uh, and something that we pray will continue to give God glory, not only for the past 46 years, but for the 46 years uh, to come. Now, as I share about the school, the school exists, however, because of the shoulders that we are standing upon that have actively proclaimed the word of God and actively proclaimed who he is for generations. And that is exactly what we uh, plan to do today. We don't want to give an infomercial about uh, Open Door Christian Schools. We're excited about what the Lord is doing, but more than anything, we want to proclaim his word uh, this morning. And so I'm going to give you a, a couple of prayer requests before we go to the prayer once again. And here's the first prayer request. I am very excited about being here today and unpacking three passages of scripture that are some of my favorite and which means that could lead to me talking long. So if you really want a, a succinct message today, I would encourage you to pray with me on that. All right. The second one is, and much more important, there's never a time that I take the pulpit. This has been my prayer, whether it's preaching in chapel, whether it was my time when I was uh, serving as a pastor Whenever the Lord gives me the opportunity to preach, I, I have three requests that I lay before him, and that is that he would be glorified, that his word would be honored, and then uh, second to that is that his uh, saints, those that have chose uh, to follow Jesus Christ, they would be encouraged and challenged. We have gathered here today to just challenge ourselves uh, by what the word is speaking to us. And then the third one is, is that anyone that is here that has not accepted Christ as their savior, that they would recognize, it's one of our shared values at the school as well, is that the greatest calling any man, woman, boy, or girl can be called to is not a resume builder. It's not a big home. It's not a big uh, a bank account, but it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so my prayer today is that to God be the glory, to the saints be encouragement and challenge, and to those that have not yet met Christ, that today would be your day, that you would realize the gift of salvation. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, be honored in all that is done in this service today. May you receive glory. May saints receive encouragement and challenge. And may souls that are lost be found because of your wonderful grace through your son. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would encourage you to go with me to Matthew chapter 22. That's where we're going to be starting. We're going to go from Matthew chapter 22 
to Matthew chapter 25, and then we're going to uh, jump uh, to Matthew chapter 5. That's going to be uh, where we head today, uh, and we are going to be continuing the sermon series that you have been studying and, and listening to on the adventure of trust, the, uh, the challenge of being a steward uh, in this world that we live as we serve and honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But before we go there, I thought that we would just take a, a lighter turn for a moment. Um, I have some pictures I want to show you. Now, probably all of you have heard of the you have one job uh, saying. And I'll be honest, as I was studying and presenting, uh, uh, preparing for the message uh, this week, uh, I started looking uh, at pictures that reflected you have one job. And it would have been very easy for me just to get lost in some of the humor that kept on coming across with the you have one job uh, memes that I was seeing. So here's one. Uh, It may be a little bit difficult for you to uh, read the sign, but the sign says, give cyclists space, all right? But if you notice where the sign is set up for, it's set up in the place where the cyclists would be traveling, all right? You have one job, and whoever set up that sign, they blew it. All right, here's another one. The knowledge of architecture and planning. All right. So the irony is pretty uh, thick in this one. But if you look over here, you'll actually see the C. All right. So uh, that is, you have one job, and it probably would have been a good idea to lay that out, how it would look all the way through there. One job, that was was a fail. Um, Then here's one. All right, measure twice, cut once. Now, if you look closely, you'll notice that this uh, is just trying to message. Somebody actually did the beveled edge. So somebody actually was doing this job. They're just making a point. Uh, But here's the challenge. You know, what does all of this have to do with the adventure of trust, stewardship, and how that looks and works in a Christ follower's life, a, a believer's life? And I think that we need to realize as Christians that we have one job. Regardless of where we find ourselves working tomorrow, regardless of uh, where we live, we have one job. If we are following Christ, Scripture over and over and over again shares that we're stewards. We have one job. And what we, uh, by the help of the Lord that we're going to do today is we're going to look at a simple definition, and we're going to refine and revise that definition to just give it more clarity and meaning. But here's the definition about stewardship that I want us to use as kind of the foundational starting point today. And that is stewardship is using our lives for someone else. Now, that's different than just earthly stewardship. There are people that recognize their stewards on uh, this earth and they realize that they're working for someone else and that the things that have been given to them are are actually someone else's. But uh, they do that from a clock in, clock out type of procedure. You know, I go to work, I clock in, I I, I use things that aren't mine, I'm working for uh, someone that isn't me, and then I leave to my own life. But as a godly steward, as a Christian steward, we recognize it's something different. 
we recognize that we are Christ's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, the things that we do, the way that we live our lives, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And if you notice that word walk, that's like this present meaning. We're walking in them, which means that there isn't any clock in, clock out. Our lives are, ba- are to be stewards for, throughout all of our life. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we uh, go through the message today. But here's what we can safely say as we look at our stewardship and what it means to be a steward that is pleasing to the Lord We can truly say that a trustworthy steward, which is what we've been studying about, that trustworthy stewards are faithful. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard the word faithful, you've heard the word stewards, and we have this tendency, if we're not careful, we can make that and get that into a really church-ease kind of way. But here's what I want us to be looking at and thinking about this word faithful, and I want us to be asking ourselves, What does that even mean? Like when I say that trustworthy stewards are faithful, what does that mean? And by the help of the Lord, we're going to look at that today through these three passages. But what faithful stewardship really means and what it means to be uh, faithful is we're going to look at the why of stewardship. We're going to look at the what of stewardship. What are the things that we do and bring to the table for stewardship? And how should we be doing it? And so we're going to look at the why, the what, and the how, and we're going to see through God's word how that that some of that is a faithful steward. And so let's jump in by looking at Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is being asked this question about what's the greatest commandment in the law? What, what, is, the, what is the thing that is most uh, important? And Jesus, recognizing that actually he was being put to the test, he throws something out there that I'm sure that you and I both uh, have been, are familiar with if you've been in church for any length of time. And he says this, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Uh, This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, as we look at faithful stewardship and the why of stewardship, let me just uh, sum up what this is trying to say is this is giving the purpose for the things that we do in service to the Lord. A lot of times, if we're not careful as Christ followers, as Christians, and especially as we get in this pathway, we do stuff and we disconnect it from the why. Well, God wants us to know, and Christ being the speaker in Matthew 22, that it should never be disconnected from the why. Everything that we do, all the th- of all the commandments, they all hang on these things. It's Are we loving God by bringing him glory? And are we loving others? Is that really the motivation? And I know Pastor Jim and Church of the Open Door's heart is 
to love God and to love people and to live in a surrendered life so that we are consistently loving uh, the Lord and loving people in a way that brings glory to him, uh, to the Lord and in a way that introduces people to Jesus. And if we've lost the sense of our faithful stewardship, if we've lost the reason why we do what we do, that is a good opportunity for us to take a pause because everything that we do should be in the name of loving God and everything that we do should be in the name of loving others. We want to introduce people to Jesus by loving him and loving them. And you say, well, I already knew that. But one of the dangers is, is that because we know it, we can gloss over it. And so I would just really encourage all of us this morning to take a step back, to not allow this commandment to be trite, but allow it to deeply sink into our hearts. Are we really loving God with our lives? Are we really uh, living in such a way that we seek in every element to bring him glory by loving him? And we know about love that Love requires sacrifice. Love requires commitment. Love requires effort. And so the whole of our lives should be a reflection that I love God. And then the second one should be that I love others as well because one of the very real dangers in our walk with Christ is that we will get overly focused on loving him and we will, we will dive in and doing the things that please him and we will forget that all of the treasure, all of the things that the Lord is giving us and our love towards the Lord and the love that he has for us is supposed to be demonstrated in the way that we are loving other people. And then so we have this danger of we can love God to an extreme that we are forgetting uh, and others, which in a very real way is hijacking love's, uh, God's definition of love. Uh, and so we're not loving effectively uh, at all at that point. Or we can go the other way and we can get so touched with the brokenness of this world and the world is broken and the needs are real that we can become so focused on those and we forget the holiness of God and what his word says and the decrees that he has that we can get so focused on people that we forget to love God. And then in the moment that we do that, we're splintering God's definition as well. And so it's so important that these two uh, commandments, they complement one another. They, they support one another and, uh, and they will never be in conflict with one another. That when we are actively pursuing loving God, we also will be actively pursuing loving others. And so our, the why of faithful stewardship is dramatically important. And if we can give, we can do all kinds of things. But if we do not have it connected to the why, which is loving God and loving others, we're missing the significant portion of faithful stewardship. So I altered the definition just a little bit. Stewardship is using our lives not just for God, but stewardship is using our lives to love God and love others. And so the why of this is that we, uh, the purpose drive for every Christ follower is how can we do both of these well and simultaneously? So once we get that why established in our heart, 
we can go into the what. And I know that in many of the sermons that have already been preached on the series, we've talked and explored and preached about what is the what. But if you look at Matthew chapter 25, we're going to take a little bit of time and we're going to look at what I believe could be one of the best passages on stewardship and stewardship as a kingdom of heaven citizen, which Christ followers are. How should we look at what the Lord has given us and how should we employ it? And so in verse 14 through 30, reading out of the ESV, it says this, it says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he, had, uh, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made the two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of these servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can see by that last slide what a sober a commitment it is to be a steward and to be a servant. And there's a couple of things that we can see about the what of stewardship that emerge from here. So the first one is, is that we can see that God empowers and equips, each according to our own ability. And that should be something that provides comfort to our souls as stewards of the Lord. A lot of times we want to measure ourselves based on what someone else is doing, instead of looking at what the Lord has entrusted us to do. And so one of our very real challenges is, is that we need to recognize that he empowers and equips his people. They are, the stuff that we have, the things that we are worried, they didn't come from us. They are gifts. They are blessings that the Lord has given us that he expects us to steward, uh, to shepherd, to work over. 
Uh, and so that's number one. Uh, the number one truth is we need to understand that God empowers and equips, not of our abilities. He gives us the ability to do the work that he has set before us. The second one is he wants us to know that we are not measured by the ability of someone else. All right, he gives one five, he gives two, uh, one two, and he gives one one. And each of them are instructed and uh, knew what they were to do. And I often think about that uh, passage uh, because uh, we see even if the person that did two worked and worked and worked and he uh, received the four, he still has not uh, received than what the person that received the five talents initially received. And again, as I said a bit earlier, that should provide some comfort to us because we're not being measured on the talents of somebody else, which is one of the things that we, uh, we do to ourselves and live beneath God's just favor and blessing as stewards because we're constantly complain, uh, comparing ourselves to someone else, feeling like we're not good enough or feeling like we're lesser thans. And then there's the other option, though, too, is that we feel like we're more than enough because they think about that five-talent person. And even if that five-talent person would have done nothing with his gift, he would have still had more than the person that had two and gathered two. But we can see from the pattern of Scripture that that would not have been pleasing to the Lord. We can see in other places that Scripture validates that, where it tells us that whatever we find ourselves doing, do it all to the glory of the Lord. So there is no excuse Rather, there is an expectation that what ability he gives us, whether it's five or whether it's one, we exercise it and go after it to give the Lord glory by loving him and loving others. It is our what. There is an expectation. And then pausing just for a moment, we also see from the scripture that the reward is great and the consequences as well. Each and every one of us, have, as image bearers of God, have been commissioned uh, and challenged to be stewards. And we cannot do that without a connection to Jesus Christ. And we fall into that trap when we think that our life is our own as opposed to our life is the Lord's. And, we walk, and so we can fall into that trap. We also can uh, realize, though, that the joy of the Lord in working as a steward for him brings great joy and great reward, not only for the one day that we will be with him, but also there is joy in serving the Lord now, and the uh, adventure of trust is sometimes it doesn't feel that way, or sometimes we think that if the Lord is challenging us to give in this area or, or to give in that area, that it's going to make us unhappy. But the adventure of trust is that he has promised that his joy, and he has come that his joy may be full in our lives. And then uh, the opposite of that is when we choose not to use our lives to glorify him. There is a separation, and we live beneath the joy that's afforded us here, and also we live without him separated for eternity. So when we look at this what of faithful stewardship, we see how very important it is. And it can be summed up not just by looking at certain elements of our lives. 
It can be faithful stewardship is actually using our lives and the currency that God gives us in our lives, which is our time, our talent, and treasure to love God and love others. We need to recognize that it's just not our pocketbooks that's a measure of our stewardship. Our stewardship is measured by how we use our time, and our stewardship is measured by how we use our talent or abilities uh, for the Lord. And so we see as we're just adding to this uh, definition, stewardship is using our lives and the gift that the Lord has given us, our time, talent, and treasure to love God and to love others. So we have the why, the loving God. We have the what, our time, talent, and treasure. And before we get to the how, I think it would be good if we just pause for a moment and we just ask ourselves the question, are we really looking at our lives as faithful stewards in that manner? Or have we relegated the Lord and our faithful stewardship to him as we'll give it certain moments our time, we'll give it certain moments our talent, we'll give it certain moments our treasure, or have we recognized that every moment of every day is supposed to be our giving of our time, talent, and treasure. It is the whole of our lives. That's the what. And we use the currency of time, talent, and treasure to love God and love others for his glory. Which brings us to the how. Now, how many of us would agree that the how matters in things? All right, so... Uh, every once in a while, my wife will have to challenge me a little bit that uh, she knows that I love God. She, she knows that I love others. She knows that we are committed to giving our time, talent, and treasure, spending our lives living for the Lord and sharing uh, his truth with others. But every once in a while, she has to remind me to not do it grumpy. All right. And so I'm sure that as we walk through a day to day, that we've all been challenged uh, in that manner. And Matthew chapter five is Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing that he goes after in Matthew chapter five is going after our dispositions of heart. He starts looking at how we're going about doing the things that we're doing And so he shares what we know as the Beatitudes. And before we just gloss over them, take a look at what they they say and what they challenge us to be. So as blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so persecuted, uh, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what does all of that mean about the how? The dispositions of the heart. Well, the first one is, is that our faithful stewardship 
will mean that we are being receptive to recognizing that our time, talent, and treasure are not our own. I want us to look at those first four Beatitudes and uh, what they they, uh, call us to be. Poor in spirit is this humility. Do I walk around with a receiving spirit, a humbleness that I can be taught? I always define humility as what is the lowest level of which you can receive instruction? Can you look at a little child and them teach you uh, and you learn from them? Or can it only be from the elites of the world that you can learn from? Blessed are the poor in spirit, the ones that are humble. Blessed are those that mourn, recognize that we are broken, we're sinful, we, uh, there is no good thing in us, and that we need something outside of us. And so we mourn and grieve over the inconsistencies of our life. We, we mourn. And then meek. Meek refers to the gifts, the time, talent, and treasure that we have received, do we exercise that in a gentle manner? Do we exercise that uh, with under control? And then this uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are we ever in search of, in, in quest of a deeper love a relationship with Christ our King? You know, those things reflect this attitude, this receiving attitude and one that says, uh, kind of cries out, I need versus I know. But where any time in our lives where we get this attitude, we already know this already. Have the attitude of, I need. Faithfulness is being dependable to use our time, talent, and treasure. As a faithful steward is trustworthy, uh, a trustworthy steward is faithful, faithfulness is being dependable. And look at, these pieces that he's depending on us to be. He's asking us to be a peacemaker. He's asking us to be a a merciful. He's asking us to be willing to be persecuted in our quest to love God and love others. And, And it's this attitude of, I must, I have to do this. All right, I, I want to do it, but I have to do this. And Lord, you can count on me, even though I know that this is going to be challenging, even though I know that this is going to be tr- tough. I am going to be a peacemaker. I am going to uh, uh, show mercy. I am going to be willing to be persecuted. And, and I have to be honest and, and, and uh, just being completely vulnerable and transparent. There are days I work in a ministry I get the privilege of sharing God's truth every day. And if I asked my team, do I always live in a way that I'm trying to be a peacemaker? There's some days where I wouldn't grade out as high as I want to. But God wants us to be counted on and dependable. So a trustworthy steward is going to be faithful and going to be dependable and going to have this attitude of, I must, versus this attitude, I might. And so as Christians, this also is a good reflection time. Am I really taking the mantle of responsibility of stewardship seriously where it's all of my life, all uh, every day? And then faithfulness, as far as what faithful stewardship is reflected of, it means that we're congruent. It means that the desire and our effort align. Congruent means to be in harmony. 
And this journey of sanctification, this journey of us becoming more like Christ should be this continually, continual quest to have our mind, our thoughts and deeds align with one another. And what that means is that we are going to be all in. Our, we're going to uh, hold every thought captive. We're going to submit all of our lives to the Lord's uh, uh, leadership and ownership. And we're going to use the currency that he has given us to walk with him and to honor him and to love God and love others. That's what me it means to be a faithful steward. And in order to be that, there is simply no way that we can be that on our own. We must have the help and the presence of the Lord connected to him in order to accomplish these purposes. And so we see the why, loving God and loving others. We see the what, that's our time, talent, and treasure. That's the currency that the Lord gives us. And we see the how, the disposition of our heart, the way that we go about doing that. And when we combine the why, the what, and the how, that's is indicators of our faithful stewardship. Christians, that's what we've been challenged to be. It's not just one element of that, and it's just not moments in time. They're commitments of life that I want to love God with all of my life, and I want to spend my life loving others as Christ empowers me to do so. Now, I'll close with this today as we reflect on our challenge. I also recognize that not everyone can uh, declare themselves uh, to be a steward yet because you've not yet received uh, the most beautiful gift that you can. And so this uh, sentence just says this, that stewardship is a commitment to steward God's grace faithfully. Christian, that's our challenge as we go forward this week. But to those that have not accepted Christ as their Savior, you can recognize that that commitment also begins with the moment. It's a moment where you declare your desire, you acknowledge Christ as your Savior, you acknowledge that you are incapable of saving yourself, and you accept the free gift of salvation that's been afforded to you by Jesus' work on the cross, and your life begins anew the moment that you choose to receive him. And here's what I know about Church of the Open Door. And here's what I know about the staff that are here, that if there is anybody uh, that has not yet received this gift, they so want to minister to you. And as uh, the mission, they want to lead you to become more like Christ uh, in, this, uh, in this adventure. It starts, though, with this moment of decision, I choose Christ. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to say thank you for your love, your mercy, your goodness. We're stewards not because of anything that we've done, but because of who you are and you working in us. And Lord, I pray today that you would indeed challenge us to live faithfully to you, knowing that that challenge comes with an empowerment and an equipping of your spirit, uh, and knowing that it comes with great reward, the joy of being in intimate relationship with you. And we pray also for the ones that have not yet received Christ as their Savior, that they would recognize that they are absolutely living beneath what you would have them to live and that to live for Christ brings great joy and reward. And that living apart from him, even if it has some temporal thrills, will never satisfy. Lord, we love you today. We praise you for the gift of being your child. And we ask that you would help us truly be faithful stewards of the grace that you have given us. In your precious name we pray, amen.